It's time for episode 57 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded October 8, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a tech podcast that clocks in at about 30 minutes. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined, as always, across this vast country by my co-host, Jason Snell. Hi, Dan. How's it going? It's going all right, Jason. How's it going with you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I hear that there's an Apple event in the offing. Rumor has it. Uh, no, no. Uh, fact, invitations fact have has it. it. Yes, fact facts have it. has it. Uh, we are also joined by two very special guests, a newcomer to Clockwise. To my left is Georgia Dow from iMore. Hi, Georgia. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And to my left is, the, you know him from uh, Crazy Apple Rumors, from Very Nice Website, from the Rebound podcast with Dan Morin and Lex Friedman. It's John Moltz. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. It's good to it's good to have you on. We had your co- your podcast compatriots on the other week, so it was only right that we had oh, you into the equation. Yeah, we must we must make people aware, however, that the rebound stars John Moltz. <laughs> That's right. It's the rebound starring John Moltz with others. He's with never others. gonna. I'm never gonna live that down. Nope, never. And the rest. <laughs> I like the professor and Marianne. I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> Marianne was everybody's favorite. Yeah, they were. So to remind people how this wonderful podcast works, we've each brought a technology topic that we think is worth discussing today. And in the interest of not wasting anybody's time, we're going to limit discussion of each topic to just five minutes. As today's introducing co-host, I will start and then the action will proceed clockwise. Clockwise, yeah. So as I alluded to Jason right at the top of the show, there was the announcement of an Apple event next week on October 16th in Cupertino. Um, and the tagline, I believe, is, is it's been way too long. Um, which I'm not sure if is a tongue-in-cheek <laughs> reference to the fact that there was an Apple event less than a month ago, or almost exactly a month ago. I don't even know. Um, and so I'm wondering, you know, there's certainly a lot of rumors about what might be introduced there. One thing that seems pretty certain is new iPads. Uh, and I'm curious to know from you guys, I feel like even more than the iPhone, which has seemed very uh, consistent in its in its development lately, Um, The iPad seems like it's not as much crying out for new features, but I'm curious to know, if anything, what new features you would like to see in a new iPad. Georgia, how about you? Well, if I could have anything, well, let's not say anything because- You can have anything. It's hypothetical. You can have anything you want. (laughs) Okay. Well, then I would want an iPad that's the size of a table (laughs) so that I can work and have everything laid out, all my pictures. I can surf the web and it's in like, you know- it's HD. I, I've got everything. I would want to be able to have everything synced at once and and just have this massive tripod kind of thing at the bottom of my iPad. But that being the case, I would also just like to have like a 12-inch iPad to go with my monstrous uh, iPhone 6 Plus. That's interesting. You're, you're a customer zero for the large iPad. I know. Yes. I, I I had not met I had not met customer zero for the large iPad before. Yeah, you know, I'm micro- usually an outlier. Microsoft <laughs> tried that it, the the uh, table sized iPad. It was called. Yes. It, it was the original Surface. Yes. The original. I Surface. used one. It was kind of terrible. It re- always reminded me of um of those tabletop uh, like video games that you play on the, a table and the Ms. Pac Man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I loved those too. You see, yeah. I'm the only one. Mm, I see. I see. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, touch ID is obvious and and rumored, and that makes sense. And why not? I don't know. I think the iPad's pretty good. So I think if they made them, you know, a little bit faster and a little better battery life, I think for me the big thing that they that would be great for Apple to figure out, and it's a materials issue, is um, reducing glare. Because um, when I, you know, outdoors, I like reading on a Kindle because the iPad is all glary. And um, if they could come up with some good ways to reduce the glare on on, uh, iPad screens, I think that would be a much more pleasant thing to use outside. John? I do do a lot of video watching on the iPad. And even though I've got a large screen television, I find that it's often just more convenient. And I can pick it up and I can have it on my lap and I can carry it places and so actually having a larger one might be kind of cool because you get more viewing space. Woohoo, that's two. <laughs> John, you want a 12-inch iPad? I, I never <laughs> thought I'd see the day. Um, I want it all, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have it all. That's the great thing about hypothetical iPads. Um, yeah, it, it's tricky because I do feel like the iPad doesn't seem to cry out for quite as many improvements or at least as, as at rapid a clip as the iPhone does. Um, and if you look back over the history of it over the last several years, the refinements have seemed much smaller, um, especially, you know, the iPad 2 through the fourth generation iPad. There was very, very little that changed sort of outwardly. Um, you know, they, they definitely they upped the display to a retina display and they changed the internals a bit and they improved the camera. But there wasn't a lot else in there. And I, and I don't know. I mean, I would be interested to see, uh, since we've seen NFC in the iPhone 6 and in the new watch, and the iPad was sort of conspicuously absent from that, I think integrating NFC would be really interesting because it could potentially turn iPads into payment terminals. And there are already a lot of places that use like Square or other third providers to turn iPads into cash registers. Um, and if you could provide, if Apple could provide a framework where people could take payments via an NFC chip built into an iPad, that makes it a really attractive solution to small businesses, I would think. Um, and so that could work in very interestingly with Apple Pay, which might also be one reason that we haven't seen Apple Pay rolled out yet, is that they were waiting to see, you know, launch new iPads as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's, I'm really excited by the potential for that because I think it could be really cool and potentially unlock more software stuff down the road. Um, but I'm interested to see what else comes out of it. It seems like the obvious thing that we're probably taking for granted is Touch ID, though. I yeah. mentioned it. Yeah. I mentioned it. I put Did you? Okay. 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 Well, and it would it be necessary. Just obvious. want to make sure that we got that it's in. That <laughs> obvious. It's that. And if obvious. you were going to do NFC and payment, you would need Touch ID. Right, obviously. and it so, goes along with that, yeah. which would be great. I mean, like think about it. You just like swipe your phone and then like press your finger on it, and you're done. It's great. It seems really convenient. All right, moving along to our next topic, Georgia. What did you have for us today? So I, it was kind of funny because I went through, this was like going to prom. I went through like three different topics before I found the right one. Wow, like, that is not how my of, prom went. Trying <laughs> all kinds of dresses. I'm like, hmm, hacks, health. Hmm. Anyways, I, I ended up seeing a story on how celebrities are now threatening to sue Google for a $100 million lawsuit for facilitating the hacking of nude photos. And when I was reading this, I went, well, wait a second. Like, what's happening with this? Why, out of everyone to sue, it seems like suing Google as the, you know, passive interface of which this was pushed seems like completely off. And do people really know how the internet works? What is really happening with this? But unfortunately, they have not been able to find out, you know, who exactly has leaked it and who to blame. And they've already taken it down from the sites. 
And I think it goes down to the fact that people want to find someone to blame. And when something bad happens, everyone's looking to point the finger on someone. And they only, again, have the interface of which to deal with it. And it kind of made me think about the ethics and if, you know, Google does have a ethical obligation to try to take down things that might be illegal or um, a crime in nature or if it doesn't. So I was actually very interested in what everyone else's opinion was of that. Yeah, you know, it's um, for some people, Google is the Internet, right? I mean, like right. well, it's on, if it's on Google, it's on the Internet. There, there was that uh, in the European uh, Union where uh, they had that right to be forgotten thing, which was not about removing web pages from the Internet. It was just removing them from Google's index, which is bizarre. But it's like mm-hmm. if they can't find them, you can have whatever you want if it's not on Google. I, it, it, this is a really tough one because if you go too far, you know, you you risk having the – uh, suppression of of good information. You know, at mm-hmm. what point does it become something that's debatable? But I do think it's really true that Google um, likes to have it both ways. I think, like, if you look at how YouTube worked for so long, the fact that there was all sorts of pirated content on YouTube, and YouTube sort of made its name with pirated content, and uh, they eventually came around to starting to sniff around for uh, for copyrighted stuff. But even now, I think they don't control it particularly well because they know that it's got value to them. And I, I've always felt like that was that sometimes Google hides behind um, altruistic reasons for not being a better gatekeeper. And I feel this way with with Twitter too. It frustrates me that Twitter is this powerful medium, but also Twitter. Um, seems to really be hesitant to intervene in things like uh, harassments and threats and attacks because they're like, well, you know, we won't like to keep our hands off. It's like, no, you're at some point you're responsible for having your um, your your uh, platform be turned into a tool for for bad things to happen. At some point, you can't just say we're going to just keep our hands off of it. Somebody's got to patrol it, and you're the only one who's got the the ability to do that. It's your service. So I, I don't know. I this is it, so it, it's a tough one. This is a really good good question. I think we blame Google for lots of things and think Google is the internet. At the same time, I do think Google um, tries to have it both ways. So is the is the lawsuit focused on Google's search aspect. I was because when you originally mentioned it, I was thinking that it was Android related in in the same way that pictures were taken off of iCloud that pictures were taken off of an Android picture service. No, it's like a DMCA but it's more, thing. Yeah. It's more of a yeah, yeah, it's okay. Okay. About removing it, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. It's a right to right to be forgotten is now also right yep. to okay. not have your leaked pictures appear on search it. Okay. And Google has been taking off the images. They have been actively trying to get rid of them. Right. And it also suggests this, well, at least one of the stories suggests that this also might apply to YouTube and Blogspot, which are owned by Google and which may mm-hmm. be used to transmit that. Yeah. I mean, I think whatever Google can do to push that stuff down is probably well done. Because, I mean, it, it is the result of a crime, right? Yeah. And it's not, you know... <laughs> Well, I like. I really. We like don't, Jennifer, we don't need her. Jennifer we don't Lawrence's need her uh, <laughs> thing in her interview that that came out this week, where she said, "Look, this is not a scandal. <laughs> this is a crime. Yeah, this crime. is theft. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> this is not a scandal. Yeah. Right. And there's certainly an argument there in terms of like transmitting stolen property, right? In the same way that's you know somebody might you know this seems even more ripe for something like you know piracy, right? Is 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 kind of an issue here too, right? This is that's something yeah. that belongs to someone else is is taken illegally. It is a crime, and, and it doesn't matter what that is, but if it belongs to someone else, but the trouble is just like with digital property where people don't 
like think of it sometimes as property. The rationalization is, oh, it's just bits, right? But you know that has a material impact, and, as, and certainly in cases like this. Google mm-hmm. as the gatekeeper is also, I mean, like, there was a big thing where the motion picture industry wanted to, Google to take, uh, like, torrent phrases out of Google search because Google wasn't running the BitTorrent sites, but you could right. search for anything on Google and find the BitTorrent link. And I agree yeah. that's kind of a tricky proposition to figure out how what is Google's role here. Um, and it's very interesting. On, on my iPhone, since upgrading to iOS 8, I'd switched over to try and use DuckDuckGo, um, which is, you know, the search engine that famously is not really interested in tracking you, supposedly. Um, and while that's great, I found it harder to find things. Um, in a way, Google always seems to, like, get that first hit. Is like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And using another search engine, I find the results are not as good. And so, uh, you know, even from having not changed my search engine back, I'm still, like, manually going into Google when I don't find what I want just by searching. Um, and I think that, you, Jason, your point, which is what occurred to me as well, is that some people think Google is just the interface to the Internet. And, you know, how else do you find things, really? It's like if someone destroyed the card catalog for your library. Like, you'd have to just go browse all the books one by one until you find what you're looking for. Um, I'm enough at last. Right. And so I don't know. This is a tricky proposition. Should they be, should they be liable for this? I think that's hard because, as Georgia was saying, like, you know, people looking for something to blame and and – you know, if Google didn't put the stuff up there, you know, there are people who legitimately committed this crime. And this seems like a sideshow to me. Um, you know, yes, Google should do what it can to police things, but I don't think you should necessarily sue them for not being good enough or fast enough at it. I think you should devote more energy to tracking down the people who actually did it in the first place, because that's going to be the deterrent. The deterrent is not going to be like, oh, yeah, someone hacked my photos, but you can't find them on Google. So I guess it's no biggie. Well, it is a supply. There is also supply and demand. At both of those aspects to the thing and if it makes it if it's harder for people to consume that material then it is less attractive for you know nefarious people to try and supply it so Georgia, i agree but we shouldn't let people off the hook is what i'm saying like yes no and I, yeah i completely the agree with that. off the hook because of this so georgia right. what do you think well, I think that it's, it is a slippery slope. I think that once we end up giving, asking people to change, the worry is that really important information that one government doesn't like, they may also start having, um, it's it, like Google's almost like right now, like the wild, wild west, you really can almost find anything that you want. But I think that when there's a crime involved, I think that they do have a certain amount of an obligation in order to try to make sure that people's uh, privacy and rights are also intact. But it always gives me that uneasy feeling just because it can be a slippery slope. All right. I think it'd be good if they just, if they pushed it down to like, you know, the, the 4,000th result. <laughs> right. It's like, you don't have to take it off. Anyways. You don't have to take it off completely. Just like, make sure that nobody sees it. Put it all the way at the end. Right. All the Google it. Plus results will be first. <laughs> it's on the last page. Put it on page yeah, of search right. results. <laughs> just keep clicking. No one likes to click. That, they make people exhausted. Yeah, they just give up. All right, uh, my turn, and I thought we would play a little game, which is uh, every time anything ever happens with Apple, there are there is a scandal that happens that most of which are ridiculous. This week, I believe they called it Hairgate, although it might have been Beardgate. I been can't Beardgate. keep track. Where people were saying, or at least somebody on the internet said that their hair got <laughs> caught in the iPhone. So it must be true. Um, I don't Tragedy. Know. My my point is, if you would like to have some fun, perhaps we could make up some scandals, some new gates, and just see what we can do. And more broadly, I wanted to ask, you know, why does this keep happening? Why do people love these things? Why, why, why do we have? <laughs> why? 
for the love of God in heaven, why? John? Oh, my God. You picked me. Why do bad things happen why to do good bad, people? Bad, to, good, to good companies? To good operating systems? <laughs> to good operating systems? Uh, I think Mashable had a, uh, a fairly clever video up about, um, about Hairgate. If we're calling it yeah. that, and uh, which they tried to duplicate that with with iPhone sixes and people of various hairstyles, and were completely unable to. And I would not be surprised if maybe there are a few instances of it actually happening, but it's not. I mean, it certainly does not seem like it's an endemic problem and not something that really we should be paying attention to. But Apple drives traffic, and that's why these things end up. I mean, Apple's a very iconic company that people love, and the weird side to that is that people also love hearing bad things about even I think people even are interested in hearing bad things about companies or, or people that they love. You know, it, it, the same thing with the celebrity culture. It's like you, you love you love people love reading like about the horrible things that celebrities have done. And beautiful, rich it just people drives, are just like us. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. It just <laughs> it drives that that traffic. And that's why these stories come up. I mean, another example, a perfect example of this is the fact that uh, the new Galaxy Note ships with a, a many of them have like a big gap, gap between gate. the frame and mm. the glass of the, the screen. And you just you don't see that reported or played up to anywhere near the degree that the, you know, Ben Ghazi and these other <laughs> Apple things get get played up with. Of course, Apple's like the Kardashians, right? Like, yeah. they just, they're, they're, the, they're the ones that everyone wants to topple, wait, wait, right? The Kardashians like, or the them. Kardashians? I'm confused. Oh, they, <laughs> the Kardashians. Phasers on stun. <laughs> I, I think that that stands for both. No, I will you give, can go I will either give way. you that. Why, why pick one? <laughs> the Kardashians got a bad rap. Again, <laughs> you know when 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 Ben Cisco came on to Deep Space Nine after the Kardashians <laughs> left, it was a quite stylish station, and they ruined it. They ruined it's all it. downhill from there. Rash that place, Dan. <laughs> it, uh, believe it or not, it's your turn now. <laughs> oh, uh, it's still we're still doing the turn thing. Uh, I <laughs> no, but <laughs> so pretend. I was going to say, um, you know, do you know that if you drop your iPhone, that it will fall? To the ground. <gasps> I think Apple Gravity Gate. Gravity Gate is where I was going with this, or Drop Gate if you prefer that. Um, and I'm just really upset. I wish that my my iPhone came with either an airbag or some sort of hovering, like you know, like in Back uh, yeah. to the Future Two when the car mm. flies. I'm thinking right. it should have one of those built in. Huh. Repulsor lifts. How about um, how about how about just a a lanyard? <laughs> Did they try that with the uh, iPod look. Touch with the little pop That's out a, like wrist yeah. strap thing? I, I think I reviewed one of those. There's actually like a full lanyard. You could actually hold it up and then throw it down and, and it just didn't hit the floor and then zipped back up. To oh, you. like it's a bungee. Like a yo-yo? Like, like an yo-yo. iPhone yo-yo? That's amazing. I, iPhone yo-yo. That couldn't like possibly that. go wrong. <laughs> yeah. There is no way that could go wrong. It also can be used as a Garrett. Like it's a good self-defense device. <laughs> That's exactly what I need in an iPhone case. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I agree with John that people just like to like to watch those. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Well, watch uh, the world burn. <laughs> some people are awful. That's what we're saying. <laughs> some people are going to invent something. I mean, I was thinking back to my, my I think my least favorite of all the gates was Glassgate. Um, didn't it? Wasn't yeah. that Ryan was that Block? The glass broke. What? Yeah, it was essentially okay. the glass broke. <laughs> glass breaks. Okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay. 
I mean, I'm very sad that I chipped my iPhone 6 earlier this week, but I'm not like going to Twitter complaining about how this is an endemic problem with all iPhones. Dan Gate, what is wrong with Dan? Why did he drop his phone? <laughs> Why does Apple keep letting Dan buy iPhones? Right. Wake up, Apple. Why is my phone indestructible? Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to consider this question answered. I have my thing, which was uh, that uh, my, my iPhone cooked my chihuahua. That that would be like the next one. Just <laughs> someone someone comes up with something crazy, well, everyone like- posts about it, and then Apple has to actually – the best part would Apple having to like release a, you know, no, the phone didn't actually cook someone's so chihuahua. So what would that there be? Was- would that be like cook gate or burn gate or fry yeah, gate? Yeah, it would be like the, the people that were burning their, their, in their, their phones in, in their microwave. pockets by using like you know maps or something like that, <laughs> leaving it on. Yeah, Dog the gate. phone gets so hot that the maps catch on fire and burn the chihuahua. <laughs> like that a, like a bonanza. Be, yeah, right. exactly. Make, maps right. might actually be better though. Than yeah. <laughs> All right. Burned away. Uh, John, it's your topic. What what would you like to talk about? Uh, I would like to talk to you about iOS eight upgrade gate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> For some reason, iOS 8's adoption rate is significantly less than uh, pretty much every previous iOS update's adoption rates, um, and particularly iOS 7's. And currently it's at, I mean, Apple has a very good adoption rate. Usually people upgrade as fast as possible when these things come out. And right now it's only, in quotes, at 47, about 47%, according to uh, Mac rumors. And there are various theories as to why this might be. Some of some of it might be related to uh, some of the bugs that were present in early versions of iOS 8. And Dan will certainly, I believe, chime in on some of the bugs that are present in current versions of iOS 8. And, but also, I, I don't know about you guys, but the update for me was a little difficult uh, when I had my... 16 gigabytes iPhone 5S because I had to clear off an awful lot of space in order to even do the update. And uh, some people have said, okay, but you can just plug it in and do it via iTunes. Well, I tried that on my son's uh, iPod Touch and you still need like a gigabyte of space at least in order to do that update. So wondering what, what, uh, what do you guys think is behind this slow adoption rate? I think you you nailed several of the the answers there. I think the space thing was a big deal for some people because it did seem like iOS eight was particularly large for over the air updates. And speaking as you know, trying to do it on a uh, a sixteen gig iPad Mini that was virtually full meant either okay, I gotta go delete a bunch of stuff, or I, I did do the iTunes route and it seemed to work. But I, I don't know if after iOS seven, I feel like you know even a year later, certainly. A lot of people have gotten used to iOS 7, but I think there's more people who have gotten used to it than have really embraced it. Um, and I feel like, you know, they realize, oh, I can't go back necessarily, but it also does mean maybe I'm going to be a little more wary before I just automatically update my phone the next time. Uh, I also th- <laughs> I also think that so there's you think, a, you think that, that, that iOS 7 shell shock is... Yeah, it's still set in there. <laughs> that's, um, but that's, I think, okay, that's a new aspect I hadn't thought of. But the other thing is I think that iOS 8 has a lot of really compelling under-the-hood features and not as many really compelling front-facing features, or at least not enough. I saw somebody talking about this on Twitter earlier where they're like, hey, a friend of mine who's like not very tech-savvy asked like why I should upgrade to iOS 8, and I was hard-pressed to come up with you know, a big marquee answer why. 
Um, there are a lot of little improvements that are really nice, but there's so much stuff that either hasn't rolled out yet or hasn't fully rolled out yet, whether it be things like iCloud Drive and the whole confusing scenario over, well, don't upgrade it if you're still using Mavericks on your computers, which many people are, because then your files will be inaccessible. Or the iCloud Photo Library, which is still in beta and hasn't fully rolled out yet. Or Apple Pay hasn't rolled out yet. There's so much stuff that hasn't necessarily come to fruition that it's really hard to take a less tech-savvy person and get them excited about something as cool as extensions. And extensions are cool, <laughs> but it's hard to explain to somebody right. why they should be excited about that. So, you know, lacking sort of a compelling reason upgrade, I think when the third-party apps start adding more and more stuff and people start seeing like, oh, there's this really cool thing I can do, but I'm going to need iOS 8 to do it. I think we'll start seeing that tick up, but I don't think it's going to be as fast as even iOS 7 was. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that like we're already we're adapted to to stay the same. We don't like change. So in order to have like us decide to do something that's going to be different, which is a risk naturally to our system, is that the benefits have to greatly outweigh the costs. And I think that you're absolutely right, Dan, that people don't often see what the benefits will be. And so they they want something that's going to be visual. And also just with all the press and saying all of the um, you know, this isn't working, this might not break, as John already mentioned, I think that it scares people. And people think, you know what, I'm going to wait till everyone else takes it. It's been really well vetted. And then when I see a necessity, I'm going to, you know, have to go on and do it because you have to do you do end up having to relearn certain aspects of a system that you may already be happy with and comfortable with. And there is a learning curve for some people, it's easier than for others. Yeah, uh, this is all. I think you guys all nailed it. Um, I, I was asking my mom. Uh, mom was visiting this week, and she said, "Should I update to iOS 8? Um, and you know, she she had uh, was concerned about the space. I, when I updated my son's uh, iPad Mini, I had to delete a whole bunch of stuff, um, mm. and to do it over the air. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can plug it in, but who plugs their iPad in? <laughs> and and, uh, and definitely, I felt like from from many family members, they felt a little burned by iOS seven. So I do think that's part of it too. I think it's the space, but I also think it's like iOS seven was such a big change that it made people wary to just dive in and accept an Apple software update. And and mm-hmm. you know, and that leads to well, why should I update? And you know, if you're using one password, you've got a great reason because you can add that extension in. But you have to have somebody who's nerdy enough, or the custom keyboards, right? You got to have somebody who's <laughs> nerdy enough to say then you go to your settings and you turn or you go to the share sheet and i walked my wife through it she was really excited about uh, adding one password support in safari but you got to go you know to the share sheet and you got to slide over to more and then you got to add it and move it and you know it's not it's not obvious so i think it's a whole combination of these things but i do think it's an issue for apple and i if i was in charge of uh, the software updates at, at, for ios i would be really leaning hard on my team about uh, why the over-the-air update requires so much space and is there any other way we could do this because i i think at the root that is the number one reason is people are like oh not enough space whatever and then they just never go it's also it's also important to note i think that it's still a very enviable upgrade rate (laughs) oh sure it's just not it doesn't match their their world records yes exactly everybody it's still better than everybody else (laughs) yeah it was like ios 7 had been like it was at like 70 percent 20 days after launch um mac rumors notes and and it's it's just it's not comparing to that yeah all right dan i think that's our last topic do we have a bonus we do have a bonus. I was curious since it's fall and I just went apple picking the other weekend and made <laughs> a delicious pie. What is your favorite kind of pie, Georgia? 
Oh, goodness. Um, I, I'm not, okay, don't, no one throw a pie at me. I'm not a huge pie fan. <laughs> really, I literally don't. This podcast is I, over. Don't I'm waste Canadian. a pie on Georgia. She doesn't want it. <laughs> I like, uh, so I would, I would pick like lemon meringue or pumpkin pie. Those would Good be choice. my two favorite pies. Not if they're being thrown at me because the lemon burns if it gets in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Good call. Good call. Thank um, you, Jason. Like a, I like a good blackberry pie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like banana cream. I rarely have it, but it's really great. And, you know, the peanut butter pie. Peanut butter is my favorite food. Peanut butter pie. Pretty awesome. Do you make them yourself? Nah, not okay. usually. Although sometimes we'll get like blackberries or something and we'll make a blackberry pie or a cobbler or something similar pie-like. <laughs> Mr. Moltz? Uh, pumpkin. So the so fall is right in my pie wheelhouse. Mm, there you go. Excellent. Do you have a pie wheelhouse? <laughs> oh yeah. Is that where oh, you yeah. keep the pie? You gotta have a pie wheel? wheelhouse. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, there's right. a pie chart on the side. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh sorry. Sorry. That was, yeah. This yeah. boo. <laughs> that was a pie <laughs> joke. A pie joke too far. Well, Dan, I think. Oh no, you you have to tell us what you like. <laughs> I'm personally, I love apple pie, and I pumpkin pumpkin pie would be a close second, and and I guess that would wrap wrap up this pie cast. Pie <laughs> cast. Oh, Dan. Uh, Clock pie. Dan gonna Dan is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. That's about right. Well, I think we've reached the end. John Moltz, thank you so much for being on Clockwise. Thank you very much. And Georgia Dow, it was a pleasure having you on. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. And until next time, Dan, it's been a pleasure. As always, Jason. Everybody out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. See you next week. Ciao.